Hello and welcome to Sporting Success, How It All Began with Candy Reid Harrop. Have you ever wondered why some athletes make it and others don't? Why some swing to glory while equally talented men and women skid off the tracks? This is a podcast which delves into the tiny differences between success and failure in the sporting world. As a former semi-professional tennis player and sports broadcast journalist, I'll be talking to a host of interviewees to try to gain insight into the road to glory. Successful siblings are relatively rare in professional sports, but tennis has had its fair share. You've got the Williams sisters, the Murray brothers and the Bryan twins to name a few. One professional athlete in a family is impressive enough. Two amazing, but three, well, that's off the charts. And the Maleva sisters weren't just participants on the WTA tour. Manuela, Katerina and Magdalena were all ranked in the top six in the world rankings. And I'm delighted to say that the youngest of the three, Magdalena, is on this edition of Sporting Success, How It All Began. Hello and a very warm welcome, Maggie. Hi, Candy. Thank you very much for inviting me. I haven't done this in a long time. <laughs> well, I can tell you this is a real thrill for me. I was just a few years behind you on the tour, but way behind you in the rankings. You and your sisters uh-huh. really put Bulgarian tennis on the map, didn't you? Yes, I guess we did. Are you sort of recognized on the streets? Are you national heroes? Uh, uh, I am recognized on the street, but it's not to the point where it, where it bothers me. I'm conscious of it. Some people talk to me, but it's uh, it's pretty pleasant. I'm not that famous, so it's it's not a problem. You don't it's have to go nice. to the supermarket in disguise. No, 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 not really. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we we played uh, we played during communist time and um, early nineties. So um, when my sisters were pretty famous, and when Manuela had her some of her very big achievements, tennis was never shown on Bulgarian TV. So very often she would have very big success, and it would be mentioned in the last pages of the sports newspaper tennis was not supported by the government during communist times like weightlifting or gymnastics so this is also plays a part why why we weren't that well known so that actually makes it easier for you uh, to some extent since uh, we were little kids and I was in my teens is when I started having my success. I was never shown on TV. This happened much later when hopefully I was more mature and more ready to deal with these things. I understand. Now, your mother, I believe, was behind your amazing success. She was one of the best Bulgarian tennis players in the 1960s and then became a coach. Was she your coach throughout your career or did you switch at some point? She was our coach to all three of us. When Manuel and Katya started traveling and I was a kid, like 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, I would very often we be with other coaches because she couldn't take care of all three of us and they were traveling. But she was my main coach most of the time. And then when I was 17, we went our separate ways. And since that age, I had other coaches. During my career, I have had uh, maybe four other coaches. When you get together with your mum and your sisters around the dinner table nowadays, do you talk about tennis? Yes, we do talk about tennis. Uh, Not very much because obviously our lives have other important things at the moment. But we share this history, we share the struggles, we share the fears. 
we share something that was common between all four of us. We can laugh now at the things we were worried about or how much we were upset when we lost a match. We do share tennis stories, but we have many other stories to share and it's not only tennis. I love that, that you said the struggles and the fears, because I think a lot of people that don't play sports at a high level have no idea of the stresses uh, that are undertaken becoming a professional. Can you go into some of those struggles and fears that you experienced? With me, um, I can uh, mostly talk about myself, but for our family, uh, winning was very, very important since also my mom, Cyril, had to prove herself. She had a very strange life where she emigrated from America in the 60s because her father was Armenian and they could emigrate, but then she decided to come back in 67, which was unheard of at that time to go back to a communist Bulgaria once you, you've been in America. So from that point of view, she really had to prove to her parents that she she made the right choice. Her struggle was later on that she couldn't leave Bulgaria and she couldn't travel and the government wouldn't let her travel. So this was part of the struggle she had to go through. Uh, just tennis was very, very, very important for for us and Winning was very important and sometimes it was very tough to lose and losses were, were very hard to take. We would be very upset and very sad. Just the pressure of performing well is very high. If I can compare this to a normal life, it would be if we play tournaments almost every week and we would play, maybe I would play 20, 25 tournaments a week. It's like having an exam every, every week and sometimes if you win a few matches, you have a few exams. This is a lot of exams and every time you lose, you have failed your exam. So it was something very difficult to deal with. For me, the, the pressure of performing well was, was also very high because my both sisters were top 10 players. So every everyone would compare me to them and this was just every time I would see a person they would say oh i know how good you are at six and i always said you'll be the best and i would hear this over and over again and just uh, for a little kid this is a lot of pressure to a lot of expectations to live up to so for me the struggle was mostly personal uh, just personal issues which every person i think goes through more or less but in sports it's very intensive and very quick. As I said, you play so many matches and so many tournaments that this pressure to perform well is, you have to deal with this very often. That everyone had different struggles for, for my mom was just to uh, get out of Bulgaria and uh, manage that we can play tournaments because they wouldn't let us travel. And for me, this was not a problem. We, when I was younger, we could already travel, Bulgaria was free. Uh, but I had to struggle with uh, living in this family where everyone was so successful. So I had to be even more successful. So that's not an easy to deal with for a for a kid. You see a lot of um, tennis players' children, or for the example of Novak Djokovic with his brothers who both played. Neither of them made the grade that he did because of that pressure. So what was it about you that thrived under that huge pressure on your shoulders? This is something I will never be able to understand because I know of such families where they would be constantly compared. It's very simple, but uh, for myself, I really liked to play very much. I loved it. 
and I and I was very talented. <laughs> I was very good at a very young age. I think this is a big part of the reason why I succeeded. And I was always very, very mature. I, I, I think I had the right advisors and I always looked how to improve, how to be a better player, how to deal with things better. I worked with a psychologist, I worked with a new fitness coach. I mean, I was surrounded by very uh, professional people, even in the 90s, when most people were not even doing fitness yet for 10 Since in 98, I didn't play for two years with a big injury. I decided to continue after that. And I think I, I just wanted to prove to myself that I will survive <laughs> this situation and I will make it work for me. Well, that is incredibly impressive. You actually turned professional in 1989. That was a year after becoming the Bulgarian national champion at the tender age of 13. That is astonishingly young. Yes. Looking back, was going pro so early the right decision? Um, I think in general, I agree with the rules that the WTA put afterwards. I think kids at this age, they could be very good at tennis but you really need the right support around you and i don't know whose responsibility this is but we see we see the successful cases but there are many many kids that didn't survive and didn't make it and that could have so this is a very very tricky issue there is no clear-cut answer. I would say for me it was okay. I, I survived. I, but I wish sometimes that someone had prepared me for how to deal with my fear. And it was very difficult to deal with the expectations that uh, I had on me, even though my mother didn't do it intentionally. But just being in this family, I wish I had someone explain to me what is going on. I'm not sure I would have been a better player, but maybe some of the struggles would not have been so difficult. You have to be very um, careful with teenage people. And for me, everything turned out all right. I was, I was very lucky. I think one thing that was very, um, for me, played a very important role. When I was uh, 18, I, I met uh, my husband, who were still together 25 years later. And he was, uh, he had no idea about tennis. He, he was just a student in France who had absolutely no money and nothing. And just uh, seeing how he lived and this really normal life that he had kind of always put me back down to earth just to, to realize that what I have is not a normal life and to have some humility and some modesty. So I'm saying that this uh, kind of made me stay normal because with, with tennis, with, especially if you're really uh, good, I was the best, one of the best um, teenagers for my age. So you really have a trap and you, you, you live in a bubble and you think you're the most important thing in the world. And this can really be a bad thing for you and for your well-being. So... This is a good uh, coincidence that I, I, I managed to have friends my age who were really living normal lives. Did your sisters help it's, you it's, in, uh, in getting used to the tennis tour so early? Of course, of course. They, they were great help for me. I loved traveling with them, but uh, being in this family was um, a very 
the expectations on me on me were were something difficult to deal with. So in some, you're always, always in the shadow of your bigger sisters. You know, I love them to death and I, I cried every time they would lose a match. But I think when they stopped playing at some point, I was kind of glad that now I can play tennis for myself. <laughs> and I, I didn't have to be compared to them. So they were a, a big help and we we always practiced together and we always supported each other and comforted each other. And they were very, my whole family was very, very encouraging. Uh, they were convinced I was the most talented thing in the world, but being in the shadow of, of them was, was not an easy thing for a, for a young kid to deal with. I can't imagine what that's like. Tennis was a family thing. It was not my own thing. And once they retired, it really became my choice. That's a lot of pressure off your shoulders after that. One, yes, <laughs> yes. One year later, after turning professional, at the tender age of 15, you made your major or Grand Sam debut. You played at the French Open in 1990 and you reached the third round. Do you remember who you beat in that tournament and ultimately who you lost to? In 1990? That was your French Open debut. Yes, I think we all uh, got, I think my sisters got to the quarterfinals and I got to the third round, something like that. Yes. And I lost to uh, uh, Laura Gildemeister, I think. She was from South America. So I remember her name. Yes, but anyway, I'm not sure if I have the right memory, but it was a successful year for the whole family. We all went pretty far and I was only 15. Uh and ah. how was it to making your French Open debut? How were the nerves on that occasion? I think nerves were always there. Didn't matter if it was my debut or my last match. I always took every match equally seriously and was um, equally afraid and nervous. So I was, I think I was excited, pretty excited at this age most of the time. Now, your first WTA Tour event victory came in San Marino. That was in 1992. must have been a huge moment for you. And it was followed by a quarterfinal appearance at the US Open, where you defeated Martina Navratilova. That must have been quite an experience. Uh, yes, I remember the win in San Marino. I was there with my mom. It was my first tournament. I remember uh, it's a very pretty city, and I remember that I bought earrings for my older sister and she she still has them and the uh, US Open I beat Martina second round and then I lost to Manuel in the quarters I guess and beating Martina was uh, well, I remember this very well and the next day I thought I thought that my the world is mine <laughs> I thought I was walking on the clouds and just it was quite an amazing excitement how was she after the match Oh, she was great. Martina has always been great. We've kept in touch. I've stayed in her house. Uh, Martina has always been uh, really nice. And then she was very gracious in defeat. Yeah, she was great. I was actually watching Match Points on YouTube. It's not the greatest uh, video you've ever seen. But uh, for our listeners, if they want to go and see you beating Martina, that is on YouTube right now. Now, you said that you lost to Manuela in the quarterfinals of the US Open that year. I have two brothers, so competing against them was never a problem, but I can't imagine 
how difficult it is to play your sister in a big tournament like that. I, it's always been very difficult to to play each other. We we never liked it. I played Katya one time first round at the US Open, which was really unfortunate because it's such a big draw. So I lost to Manuela then, and I was so happy that she's in the semifinals. And uh, I just I was just 17, and I I thought to myself, well, I'll have so many more opportunities. Uh, you know, tennis is in front of me, but I actually never went to the semi-final and she went to the semi-final the year after. There she retired. She retired at number five in the world, which was an amazing achievement. I was so dead because after Martina had, I think, a very tough match with Chander Rubin, uh, then maybe one more win. Uh, I remember I was, it was really, I was exhausted. And um, yeah, Manuela went through and I was glad. Now, in 1993, you were in the headlines for a horrendous reason, although no fault of your own. I'd actually forgotten that you were Monica Sellers' opponent in Hamburg when she was stabbed. What do you remember of that terrible occasion? I remember everything. Uh, I remember that something very sudden happened, that uh, I was just walking around the court and didn't know what to do and where to go. And once we were in the locker room, we all thought this was the incident was somehow connected to the war in Yugoslavia because this is when the war was going on. We all know what happened afterwards. It turned out a crazy person did this terrible thing. So we were all very shocked. Looking back now, I think it's really weird that the tournament continued. <laughs> I don't know. I just everyone was so confused and no no one had any idea what was going on. But maybe, you know, out of um, respect to Monica, we should have all quit the tournament. But anyway, everything went on and, and uh, it was the most unfortunate thing for Monica to ever happen to her. Yeah, that really hurt her career, didn't it? Did you speak to her afterwards? I didn't speak to her afterwards. I, I sent her a note at the hospital and... I wasn't very close to her. We saw each other many, many years later. And uh, of course, uh, actually, she she continued to play and she was very successful even even once she, once she came back two years later. But I guess she never um, gained the number one ranking and was never as good. Yeah, that was a big moment. Um, I actually remember playing in junior Wimbledon that year and all the chairs were turned yes. around so we didn't have our backs to yeah. the crowd. Do remember. you remember that? A lot of things changed after that. Can you remember exactly what? Uh, those things like chairs were, were turned the other way. Security was uh, better. There were security guards behind us during tournaments. Just uh, security was different. Yeah, that was a really scary moment for everyone. And you being on the court must have been absolutely terrifying. Did you have nightmares after that or did that affect no, you in any way? No, it didn't affect me in any bad way. I was just, the moment it happened that that uh, we stayed for a few minutes on the court, I was really, really scared. And I didn't, I just didn't know where to go and where to stand. And uh, I was really scared. But uh, fortunately, I could continue my life as normal and I didn't have any Mm, any problems and continue you did because in 1993 you won three tournaments and the next year you reached a career high number four in the WTA rankings looking back that must be so special to be top 100 in the world at anything I think is incredible but number four did you ever expect that I don't know. I did and I didn't. Uh, being part of this family, I was always supposed to be very good. I didn't know exactly how good, like what number. I did expect it, that 
I knew I was talented and I could achieve uh, great things. At the same time, I remember that once I was in the top 10, I didn't quite feel I deserve it. So was very insecure about it. Yeah, feelings are very mixed. I, I knew I could do well. Uh, but once I did, I, I always kind of was uncertain in my ability. So there was a bit of insecurity. Now, you had surgery on your shoulder, which you referred to earlier, which kept you out of the game for a bit after that. But you were back in the top 20 in 2001 and won the Kremlin Cup in 2002, beating Venus Williams, Amelie Moresmo and Lindsay Davenport along the way. All three of them have major titles. So that was quite a feat, wasn't it? Uh, I consider this my biggest uh, achievement, that tournament in Moscow, because I played unbelievable tennis and I beat those players. And actually, after I was away for a year and a half with the shoulder surgery and other surgeries, and my, my dream was to be in the top 10 again. And I managed to be 11. And I was one set away from getting into the top 10, but I lost the match in Eastbourne to Farina. I was upset in three love and I would have been in the top 10. But anyway, I got to 11 and I do consider this second part of my career um, the one I appreciate more because I was more mature. I appreciated. I, I was my own boss. I made my own choices. I worked with great people and uh, I love this Moscow tournament and everything that happened after my Mm, two-year layoff I was very grateful for. And you referred to it as the second part of your career. The game had changed by that point, hadn't it? I mean, you've got Venus, Amelie and Lindsay, all big, big hitters. Yes, yes, they they were very powerful. I, I knew uh, Lindsay, we were pretty much the same generation, so... Jennifer, Maioli, Mary Pierce, we were all pretty much same age. I liked playing against them. I was used to playing against them. And yeah, the, the game evolved, but uh, this is the most uh, natural thing. Everything evolved. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like it, it had changed so much before 98. So I, I enjoyed playing then, even with the big hitters. Uh, you also played in three Olympic Games, Barcelona, Atlanta and Athens. How do those experiences rank in your career highlights? Uh, they were very interesting experiences, uh, but Olympics were never quite as important as all other tournaments, Grand Slam tournaments. Uh, obviously, the experience was amazing because you would meet all these other athletes and you would learn about their struggles and their life and we would all stay in the Olympic Village and this was a very enriching experience. Yeah, the Olympics, I, I love them, I love them. But being a tennis player, you always thought about Roland Garros, uh, Wimbledon, the US Open. That's how I felt at the time. Which of the Grand Slam tournaments was your favorite to play in? Difficult to say. I, I really liked all of them because they're all quite different. So they're, they all have their charm. US Open was usually very hot and very often very difficult to play in. <laughs> Australia was sometimes very, very windy. Grass, later on I played really well on grass. So all the Grand Slams are pretty different and you love them and you hate them for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> now you retired after 16 years in 2005. Was that a tough decision to call it a day? No, I was ready to retire, but the year I retired was a difficult year. I, I didn't enjoy it. And again, Manuela 
would tell me, oh, once you make the decision to retire, you feel great. And I always had that expectation that it would be the same for me. <laughs> because once she said she's retiring, she just felt so liberated. And with me, it wasn't like that. Once I was re said I'll retire, I still had the expectations that I'll do well and still played with a lot of pressure. So I didn't enjoy very much that last year. I uh, was very unmotivated to practice, to go on the court. You hit millions of balls and just practicing became quite difficult, uh, just spending hours on the court. And once I retired, I, I felt great. I was, I was ready to retire. And, and these are one of the things that I was <laughs> successful at, that my retirement was, was um, I was really ready for a new life. And I had no problems whatsoever with retiring. You know, a lot of people don't, it's not such an easy road for them, but for me, it was, uh, I actually hated traveling. I still hate traveling. Now that this virus happened, I'm so happy to stay at home and not go anywhere. Uh, my husband, he always likes to take kids here and there. And I'm like, can we just please stay at home? My retirement was a nice one. I had many, many things I wanted to do after tennis. I wanted to have children. So retirement was, I was ready for. But I believe you actually retired twice because it turns out amazingly that in 2010, you won the <laughs> Bulgarian national championships again. That was 22 years after you won it for the first time. What made you come uh, back? I actually don't like to do sports very much, and I, but I have to move and, and do some fitness. So I, I will always go and play a bit of tennis. And um, I missed a bit of the competition. I was very eager to see if I would play. Will I be afraid again? Will I get nervous? How will I take it if I lose? Just these uh, emotional struggles that I used to have. I was wondering how I would go through these things again. So every once in a while I do play in the championships. It was really just for fun. I like to play and uh, if if there was some kind of senior circuit I would probably sometimes play but um, at the same time I don't like to travel so uh, if there were club matches in Bulgaria I would, I would play I enjoy competing sometimes and uh, for me it's a great progress that I could now lose a match and not uh, be devastated uh, just I think I I choose to play the national ch championships just to make sure that I have overcome this this perfectionism. Like I think I'm a recovering perfectionist. I would like to say that, and perfectionism is a terrible thing. Uh, it's a terrible disease. So I think I just like to to make sure that I'm normal and I can handle losses normally. Well, I can tell you, actually, uh, Maggie, that there is a senior tour because I play for Great Britain in the uh -huh. over-40s team. So perhaps uh, you'll be there. It's UMAG this year. I UMAG in Croatia, if, uh, if the tournament goes ahead. So perhaps we'll see you in October. It would be amazing uh -huh. to see you. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> now, there was more to come after winning the Bulgarian National Championships because you played in the Fed Cup for Bulgaria in 2011. Who were your teammates and did you still feel part of the tour at that uh, point? This was uh, later, uh, really, I, I had stopped playing for a few years and just the Bulgarian team, they sometimes call me and I played in the doubles. And again, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a break for me, a break from my family, from my kids. Um, I know the girls 
uh, we had a good time supporting each other and this was part of the reason why I made the decision to sometimes play Fed Cup. I think I did it once or twice after I retired. Since uh, the last time I did it, maybe it was three years ago, I lost. And I said, if I, if I play another tournament, I really have to prepare seriously, like not play two, three times a week. So maybe I will do it, but we'll see. It's a good motivation to get in shape. <laughs> Absolutely. You have three children, you're happily married. You're very busy also with life outside tennis. What are you up to at the moment? Uh, when I retired, we, we built a tennis club and I am a bit in charge of the, the kids program. So I work with the coaches and sometimes I go on the court, but not very often. It's not a day-to-day -day job. I just wanted to help my mom improve her tennis school a few years ago. And we have a nice club, a nice tennis school. I, I love it. I love the coaches. We do a good job. So we built a tennis club and me and my husband, we started an organic food company, which was just driven by our desire to eat organic food. It didn't exist in Bulgaria much when and I came back and started living here in 2004. So this company has grown, it's called Harmonica, and there are more than 100 products in the portfolio now. So it's, um, it's something that we are very passionate about and something we enjoy doing. So we have the organic food business. I started my own little en environmental NGO. So we spread awareness on climate change and just things connected with the natural world. And these are mostly the things I've been busy with. I, I had three kids in five years and was pretty dedicated to them when they were babies. That has kept me busy. Very good. Now, do you follow the tour? I don't have much time to watch matches, which I really, really miss. I don't know very many of the new girls, but I truly enjoy it when I have time to watch. I do follow the results. I used to follow them every day. Just, you know, when I wake up, I would check what happened on uh, the current tournament. I'm not very much into what's happening in tennis because uh, really to give an opinion you really have to know what's going on and I'm a little bit on the surface now everything I would say would be very superficial I hear there talks about combining the tours to me that sounds great I don't know the details about it I love tennis I think the girls these days play unbelievable I know there is a lot of criticism that they play the same way, that they look the same way. I just have, to some extent, it's true, there is not much variety in women's tennis. I don't know why that is. Anyway, the level of tennis is very, very high. The, the hitting is very high, the speed, the strength, the serves. So I love watching tennis, but at the same time, it's true that there is not one single person that, that stands out and this could be a problem. But at the same time, um, the competition is so big. So the truth is always somewhere in the middle and I can't discuss very much the state of tennis because I am not sure how tennis is doing, whether it's popular, whether it's... Um, making money. I, I have always known that tennis is pretty difficult to market and to sell because um, I know owning a tournament is a tough thing because you might lose the big names. You never know how long the match will be. It's so obviously tennis has some challenges and it always had, has had challenges. I hope it survives them.
on the other hand in men's tennis you have probably the best guys ever to play and what great coincidence that you have uh, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, Murray all playing at the same time this was an amazing time for tennis I hope uh, everyone will survive these tough times and we'll see players playing again <laughs> even without crowds maybe yeah it might be that for the short term mightn't it but uh, I believe that tennis will survive and get stronger hopefully and Maybe there will be a merger. I think there's a lot to go before that happens. Uh, do you keep in touch with any of the people you used to play against when you were playing? Sonia Jaciun uh, from Canada, she became my maid of honor at my wedding. So I always kept in touch with her. I was close to Lisa Huber. She, we played all of doubles together. Kept in touch with Conchita, with, with Babsi Shet a little bit. Every year I play at Wimbledon, this, the Legends event, so then we get to see each other. And in the beginning we kept in touch a lot more than, I guess, as the years go by, I see them less and less. But there are a few people that will always stay friends. This was my agent, Phil De Picciotto. <laughs> he still calls me every year on my birthdays. And Sonia is a great friend. She even traveled with me the last two years as a coach, as a hitting partner. We had a really a great time being together, sharing a room. I became very good friends with all my coaches. Uh, Jean-Luc Coutard, the French coach who I worked with, and Pierre Paganini was the current fitness coach of Federer. He, they, they were really g great advisors to me, and I'm so glad that I could work with these people because I think uh, Pierre and Jean-Luc, they're one of the, the most knowledgeable people in the world about tennis so I have been so lucky to work with them and, and we're still friends. Uh, very often I'm with my tennis program in the club now I, I call them if I need to ask them something I talk to them. Yeah I was lucky to have met them. That's lovely to hear and finally you of course one of three successful sisters I believe you have three children uh, do they play? don't like to play so much. <laughs> I've tried everything possible and my little <laughs> kid Nina, she's seven years old, she plays very well. We will see. Maybe she will learn to play. We'll see how that goes. Um, I tried with all of them, but uh, they, they like to do other things. So I'm sure they'll find their own way. Well, Maggie Maleva, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for being on Sporting Success. It's been so interesting to find out how it all began for you. Uh, thank you thank very you much. Thank you so much. I had a big pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to Sporting Success, how it all began. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, can I please ask you to rate and review? See you next time. <laughs>